morning. Glad you're here this morning to worship with us. We are uh, in a series called Living in the Zone, and we're going to get to that in a little bit. But I'd like to mention that I jumped the gun last week. Mark and Jennifer, if you've noticed, they're here again. <laughs> they had one more week, and I got up, I saw Mark, and I thought, uh-oh, I think this is Mark's last week. And so, uh, Mark, we're praying for you as you go. <laughs> we really, uh, you, so I'm saying this so you can say goodbye to them for reals this time, for reals. Um, we really do appreciate your investment, bro, and we'll be praying for you as you launch out. He's going to drive up to Pismo today and begin work tomorrow in the Pismo area. So, um, I'd like to just commend, we had our first mission project yesterday. And I'd like to commend the crew for their work. There were 65 of us that went to Pacific Lifeline, which is a, a transitional shelter for women who've been um, in abusive homes. And so their child, the women and their children. And from what I hear, we got 15 projects done and more. They, they, were, they were blown away. In fact, Janet said the, the director was crying. She was so grateful and she said our our attitude, you know, we didn't we didn't complain. We did some pretty unpleasant things, from what I understand. My mission project's next Saturday, but I wasn't there. But I hear we did some pretty unpleasant things with a very good attitude, and that's you know, if you just live your life without grumbling, complaining, you shine like a star. That's what Philippians two does, and that's that's really one of our. I, I understand that one of the one of the little guys that was helping his dad said, I think I found my calling. <laughs> and I think what he was responding to is when you do right, by, when you serve, when you do good, boy, you, that's what we were made to do. And so at his, at his little understanding, he understood this is what I'm made to do. I'm made to give myself away and really serve. And so I, I want to just say I, I commend you. And um, I realized this morning during the first service that Cindy and I are going to Colorado. We're going to be there until Friday, flying out today and going to a spring break conference, which is where all the SC, most of the SC students are. And um, I realized I'm losing another hour tonight. So that makes me tired because I made, a, I made some kind of error this morning. And I thought my phone was going to click over. I was afraid it was going to click over. I thought I turned it off so it wouldn't switch time. That's what I use for my alarm. Oh, no, I get up at 4 o'clock, an hour ahead of time. So anyway, enough, enough about that. I don't know what happened. I'm going to try to retool for next year on that. But uh, it, we're here now, Randy. Okay, get over it. Problems and trouble. Are a part of life. That hey, there, there's a there's a connection. <laughs> Problems and trouble. We looked at last week. They're a part of life. Um, they're the consequences, really, from our, our rebellion, our race, our human race, has rebelled against God and decided to live life on our own. And so, we deal with thorns and thistles and trouble in life as we try to do things, as we try to follow God and do right and even just handle our life, we deal with it. But in the midst of the trouble, you can find God's blessing. There's a zone, and that's what we're talking about in this series. It's a zone with clear borders. There are clear borders around the zone, like the United States has borders, and we try to protect them. 
and there's a checkpoint, and there's, there's clear boundaries. That's, that's the way this zone is. The boundaries are clearly marked. God has been good to us, and he's shown us how to get in those borders to experience his blessing. And he's made it very clear in Scripture uh, what it takes to get into it and what it's like when we step out of it and how we step out of the zone. And so we're looking at how to get into the zone and then how to stay in the heart of that zone as we follow the Lord. If you're on your way to commit your life to Christ, you haven't yet made that decision, this, this will clearly define some things uh, that tell you what it means to follow Christ and, and how God works in, in an interactive, very interactive way. Life is very interactive with God. It's, it's dynamic. It's not static. Um, what you find in Scripture, it's alive. And it comes alive in the way that you live, the way you live your life. What we normally do is we tend to think of life in three dimensions. Um, our, our emotional, uh, mental, and physical dimensions. But there's a fourth dimension that cuts through all of life. It's the spiritual dimension. So what, you, what happens when you get into Scripture, you become four-dimensional. <laughs> you add that in because... Even in a thing, we're going to look at finances today, even in something as, as cut and dry and black and white as finances, God is, he is at work uh, trying to help us grow and understand him and develop faith to trust him. Last week, we looked at how you get into the zone, and it's by faith, and it's a faith that you, where you trust God to the point where you act on your belief. You believe him, and then you begin to, to live that out. And that's how you get into the zone. You put your faith in Christ. You, you, you quit going your own way, living life independent of him, and you put your faith in Christ, and you trust him with, with your life, and, and that gets you into the zone. And that's how you stay in the zone. You, you keep trusting him because... When you follow Christ, you say yes. It's, a, it's like a big yes. And then you have to keep saying yes over and over again as you, as you follow him and trust him. Then last week, one of the clear steps that you take of obedience is baptism. It shows that you have trusted Christ and put your faith in him. It's an outward thing. You know whether you've done that or not. You know whether you've been baptized or not. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in our hearts that you can't see outwardly. But baptism is designed to be um, sort of a symbol, an outward symbol of what's gone on in our hearts. And so that's, that's a step. That's one of the first steps that Jesus asks us to take once we're in the zone. Today we're going to look at a key perspective that slices through every part of our lives. What you find very early on in Scripture is that God made the world and he gave us stewardship over it. Genesis 1, 27, 28 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. I can't, I can't hardly read this passage without thinking of my systematic theology professor in graduate school, who was a little guy, looked a little bit like Jimmy Stewart, sounded like him, 
And he'd say, that word, when it says, fill the earth and subdue it, it's also translated, get dominion over it. And he would go, get dominion. You know, like Jimmy Stewart, though. And I can't, I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to, I don't do impressions. But that, so every time I see that, that phrase, it's just, I see, I see Boyd Hunt up in front of the class, get dominion. So that, that's the command that we have here. And what that command is saying is that God has made us his managers. He made the world. He created it. He put us in it. We're here to manage it. That's our role. We're to bring the earth under control. And there is a lot packed into this command. It's, it's known as the cultural mandate or the great mandate. And there is a lot. There's family life packed in here. There's exploration. There's fill the earth and subdue it. You've got to spread out. You've got to find out what's out there. There's science. There, there's all kinds of stuff packed into this. But what we're going to draw from it today is that we're to be stewards. Now, stewards, good stewards of what God has given us. We don't use that word unless you're on a cruise ship. Then you have a steward who takes care of your room. And you have to tip them, and that's why you're thinking about the steward, because you're going, i got to figure out how much to tip the steward. But, but stewardship is a very practical matter that you find in Scripture. A steward manages someone else's resources. That's what they do. Here's a definition from Webster, Merriam-Webster, on stewardship. The conducting, supervising, or managing of something, especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. So the picture you see in Scripture is God made the world and he put humankind in charge of managing it. And, that, and that's, what, that's what it helps if we adopt the same perspective. Because in reality, we are stewards, not owners of our life and our stuff. It's been entrusted to us, to our care. And so we, we handle it. We handle the flow of life, and we are just stewards. We're stewards of our house, our car, our job. These are things that have been given to us, and we're going to live in the house for, you may live in the house for 60, 70 years, but really you're going to check out and leave it to somebody else at some point. Same with your car. It's just that you have it for a little while. Same with your job. We're just, we're just stewards. We're not owners of these things because we're passing through. That's the perspective you get. The other thing you find in Scripture is that everything belongs to God. Deuteronomy 10:14. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. He, he made the world, and he is the rightful owner of everything in the universe on earth. And, and, and so... Whatever it is we're dealing with, we're handling what rightfully belongs to God, the one who made it. Our very life has been given to us by him. And so it's a stewardship. Our life is a stewardship. We're going to look at that in a little bit. So here's something else to realize, that we manage what God gives us under his oversight. And God sees through lead. He sees right through us. Hebrews 4.13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. 
If we manage in line with God's goals, then we experience his blessing. We're in the zone. If we don't, then we don't, we don't experience his blessing. God, here's what's happening. We're, we've been given our life, and God is watching what goes on in the world. And he is monitoring our hearts as we handle the flow of life. And he wants to bless us. But the blessing is in the boundaries that he set up. It's in the borders. It's inside the, the country, so to speak, the realm of his favor. And there are distinct borders and boundaries. So as we handle the different stewardships in life, God's watching. He wants to bless. But he waits for us to get, get things figured out and, and put him in charge. And then try to figure out what he wants and, and live that out. Here are some different stewardships that we have. There, there are a lot of different ones. Here are some of them. Life. You're given life. You're given a certain amount of time to live on the earth. And how you respond to God in this life determines how it goes in, in the next life. If you decide to connect with him, turn around, ask Jesus to come into your life and fill you and, and walk with him, then uh, that determines how it goes in the next life. It also, how you handle your life once you commit your life to follow Christ determines the amount of reward that you're going to experience in the next life. So there's a picture in 1 Corinthians that you know, some of us uh, can, could, could end up going to heaven with you know, just barely escaping the fire. Like we don't have any reward, but we're there with you know, I don't, I don't know, we're going to get new clothes, but the clothes we had on probably are singed a little bit because everything was getting burned up. And so that, that's our life is a stewardship. Our family is a stewardship. You were born into a family. And if, if you're a parent, you have children. If you're married, you have uh, a, a, a husband or a wife. And our family, God gave you the family that you have and he gave you a role to play in it. If you handle it well, things go well. You, if you play your role well, you try to figure out what it is, you play it well, and, and you're blessed by God, or, or you're not if you don't. Friendships are a stewardship. Our reputation is another stewardship. You know, it's not right to be a spin doctor, but our reputation either opens or closes doors. So it's a stewardship. It's something that we, we need to handle right. If we have integrity, if we're trustworthy people, that opens doors for us. And so, and that's something that in this life has been given to us. Um, our career and the income we make is another stewardship that we have from God. Listen to Deuteronomy 8. It's not in the outline or it won't be on the screen, but listen to this. Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 18. You may say to yourself, my power and my strength and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. God's given us the ability to have an income. He, he's given us the career that we have. Um, so it's a stewardship. We have a ministry. God made us, just like a little guy yesterday who said, yeah, I think I found my calling. We're all called to serve, to minister, to, to, to give ourselves away. And life is found, Jesus said it, Life is found as we give ourselves away to other people. That's when life comes. But it's a stewardship. We've been given a ministry, and how we handle that brings God's blessing on it or not. 
And then finances, which is what we're going to be talking about today. These are all things that God has entrusted to us for a time. All of this stuff is finite. There's a beginning and an end. There's a beginning and an end to our life here on this earth. We ourselves are eternal, but our life starts and ends uh, at some point. What this means is that we are really renters, not owners. That, that's the perspective of Scripture. We're, we're just passing through. And God will bring his blessing based on how we handle the things that come uh, before us in the flow of life. And if we please him, we looked at this last week, if we please him, he brings his blessing. And so that's key. Figure out what pleases him. Faithfulness is the key to pleasing him, you find. When you have a stewardship, no matter what it is, faithfulness is the key to pleasing God. 1 Corinthians 4 says, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust, remember that's what a steward is. steward is someone who's been given a trust. They've been entrusted with somebody else's resources. They must prove faithful. God brings his blessings when we are faithful in our stewardships. Faithfulness means, first of all, finding out what the owner wants. That's the first question a steward should be asking. In, in my parenting, God's, God's given me these children. And my, my number one question should be, what does God want me to, to, to do here? How does he want me to handle this? As the children grow, the relationship should change rightfully. How, how does the owner of these children the one who made them, how does he want me to relate to them? What kind of discipline does he want me to establish? How does, how does, where does he want me to point them? It's the same, and this, this slices through every arena. At work, you've been given a job. The number one question is, the one who provided this job for me, how, how does he want me to work? What does he want me to do? What are the questions that he's, what does he, as he oversees my work, as God himself oversees my work, what does he want? How does he want me to approach this? That's the number one question that a steward asks. How can I be faithful? And that, to me, has brought a tremendous amount of relief over the years. Because as I get into situations I'm handling my finances or I'm handling my work and I've got challenges. There's adversity and I'm not quite sure how this is going to come together. Or I'm parenting my children. I'm handling, I'm relating to my wife and, you know, I'm trying to figure out what's the next thing to do. I just need to be faithful. I don't have to be somebody I'm not. I don't have to be more than I am because I need to be faithful to please the owner of all me, of me, <laughs> the owner of me and all my stuff. If I can be faithful, then I find his blessing. If faithfulness is finding out what the owner wants, doing your best in a given situation and circumstance, you can't do more than you can do. You can do all that you can do, but you can't do more than you can do. And since God is the one who made us, he knows how we're wired. He understands our limitations. He understands our weaknesses. And he understands our strengths. So he puts you and I right where we're at to work through us. 
to bring his blessing into our lives and into the lives of the other folks who are there. But as we get word, we can't control the outcome most of the time of the things that are really important. So our heart needs to be focused like a laser on faithfulness. God, what is it that you want me to do? Find out what the owner wants. Do your best. Do all you can do. Don't do less than that. And then leave the outcome to God. There's relief in that. There's a lot of relief as you trust God to work through you. Jesus told the story that underlines God's expectation with stewardships. And in the story, uh, there's a master who hands out different amounts of money to, to three different stewards, different servants. And to the servants who handled that trust well, to the ones who stewarded it well, this is what the master says. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. This is God's standard. This is what Jesus is telling us. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The key to God's blessing is pleasing God. That's, that's what Jesus is telling us. It's at the heart of the zone. And so, as we handle the different stewardships, we set our heart on faithfulness. The biggest, most constant management issue that we deal with is money. We've been looking at this. We had a whole series called Lost. And we looked at how we tend to think that money is the answer to everything. We spend a lot of time earning it. We spend a lot of time trying to figure out if we have enough coming in to survive and dealing with it. And so it's very close to our hearts, money. And, and what God does as God's sort of looking over the earth and watching our lives and monitoring our hearts, he's paying close attention to how we handle our money because he knows that that is the key to our heart. It's what Jesus said, for where your treasure is, uh, there will your heart be also. We're all wrapped up in our money. So if, if, if we handle it in, in a certain way, that says all it is about us. You can find out about your heart by looking at your check register or your Quicken. If you use Quicken, then look at the register in Quicken. You, it's an x-ray to your heart. So God plays close, pays close attention to how we handle this stewardship. Faithfulness with our finances is a test for, that God gives for spiritual blessing. Luke 16:10. This is Jesus talking again, 10 and 11 and then 13. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you? With true riches. This is the test. This is what Jesus is telling us. He gives us our money to figure out how much we can be trusted with the spiritual stuff that really matters. It's, it's a test. No, no servant can serve two masters, Jesus goes on to say. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's something you need to decide on your way to Christ is who's going to be... God is, is he going to be God of every aspect of my life? I'm going to serve him. I'm going to serve the Lord 
not, not money. I'm not going to keep chasing money. Finances are quite a test because we can get so wrapped up in them. I'd like to show you a video that our Life to Life media group put together, and it's called Stay on Budget. It highlights the difficulty of managing our money, and I'm going to springboard from the video to, to keep talking afterwards. This is Bob. Bob has a decent job, a great family, and he's got a pretty good nest egg saved up for himself. Yes, Bob is living the American dream. Bob's not selfish, though. He's just not generous. And when Bob sets the budget, nobody is allowed to break it. <laughs> hey, honey, how are you? Good. Oh, you're doing the budget. Good. I forgot to tell you that we went over on the grocery budget just a little bit this month. What? How much? I'm sorry, just 150. What? You know, we had the Franklins over for dinner last week, and Ben has really been going through diapers lately. And diapers is in the grocery budget? Well, we do get them at the grocery store. Okay. Hey, Dad, I've decided that for my birthday, I'd like to go to the Angels game for my party. <laughs> Angels game? How many friends did we say you could bring? Five. Uh, does your mom have to go? Uh, Bob. Can your friends buy their own tickets? Bob. Fine. We'll get the tickets. Cool. Thanks, Dad. Whoa. Be careful with that ball, son. I love you, too. What's going on? Well, a bunch of my friends are going to the movies tonight. And? And Jen's parents won't let her take her car, and Katie still doesn't have her license. And? And I need to take your car. No. Come on, Dad, please. Do you have gas money? Gas money? How would I have gas money? So I guess you don't have any money for the ticket, either. I totally forgot about that. Thanks, Dad. Your mom's got 50 bucks. You can take it from her. Sweet. That's like... $40 worth of candy. No, that's $40 worth of bring my car back full of gas and an unopened box of craisins. That's a little too real, okay? I mean, that is that is that makes your skin crawl watching that, because that is real life. That's for sure. We should expect that kind of stuff. What goes on? How how do we manage our finances? That spreadsheet, that budget, in a way that pleases the Lord and bring brings His blessing. We're in the zone when we follow God's guidelines in any area, and especially in the area of money. We tend to use money the way we want. God blesses the way he wants. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over, brim over with new wine. This is an agricultural society. 
So translate that into really your bank account. If we honor the Lord, there is t- over time there is blessing that comes. Um, you, you will grow. It's, it's, people have tracked this. As you follow him and you learn to walk with him and everything comes under his lordship, things, things grow and your bank account will as well. Uh, two weeks ago, we looked at the general guidelines Scripture has for handling our money, live on less than we make, keep track of spending, get rid of dumb, dumb debt. And all those guidelines are from Scripture. But I didn't say much about this key management issue that I'm going to talk about here as we wrap up this morning, which is tithing, giving 10% of your income to the Lord. That's what that verse I read is a, a reference to. It could be called tenthing because it means to give a tenth. It's a key way that we honor the Lord with our finances, and tithing is our biggest money management issue. As you set out to follow God, this is a, this is a big test that he gives to see if we're going to pass. To honor God with our wealth, we bring him the first tenth, the first 10% of our income. And then what he's going to do is he's going to grow us to be generous beyond that. He's, he's going to stretch us to keep going beyond that. The Bible lays out tithing this way. I just want to run through some passages. It lays out the practice of tithing. Leviticus 27:30. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. What it means that it's holy, the tithe is holy, it's when something's holy, it's set apart for God. And you don't mess with that. If you mess with it, it brings trouble. Now, God's very gracious. He lets us grow into our understanding. But if you've been walking with God for a while and you've been messing with the tithe, you've been taking it for your own and using it the way you want, there could be some trouble that you're experiencing because of that. My mom used to say that you aren't really giving unless you're giving more than 10%. Because the first 10 is God's, holy to the Lord. It's set apart for him. That's what she meant. God has his claim on that first 10. If you committed yourself to follow Christ, this is what it means to follow him. And this is what's going on. Some people say, though, that the tithe is out of date if you were to blog, go on a Christian blog or A lot of people think that tithing is out of date, but Jesus trumps everybody else, and he affirmed the tithe. Look at uh, Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. In other words, they were going through their cupboards, and they were taking the spices out of the rack, and they were 10%, 10 they were given to to the temple. And he says, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter, justice, mercy, and faithfulness, without neglecting the former. So what he's saying here is they were tithing, they were being religious, but they weren't treating people right. And he says it's both and. You you give the tithe and you show justice, mercy, and faithfulness in the way that you treat people. The purpose of tithing, Deuteronomy 14.23, I think there's a typo in your listening guide. It's Deuteronomy, not Proverbs. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. Our tithe should come off the top, the first fruits. It's a statement of faith. God, I'm going to give this to you, and I'm going to trust you to provide for the rest. And you'll watch God work 
if you make that decision to put him first. In the video, I don't know where Bob had his tithe, if he had a tithe in the, uh, in the budget. But if he would have waited, there would have been no leftovers. He went in the negative on the month when the, when the ball crashed through the window. And, and so we give, we give the, the tithe first, which is a statement of faith that we're going to trust God to provide whatever else is needed. We're inviting him to get involved in our finances. Here's the promise of tithing. If we're faithful to tithe, it's a key step to get into the zone with our finances. Malachi 3, 10 and 11. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. This is a reference to the temple uh, where they worshipped in the Old Testament. and In the New Testament, it's the church. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Check this out says God, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit. That's what God says. We saw Bob's budget get devoured in the video. Um, I don't know where his giving was. But he got chewed up. And that's, that's what's happening. That's what he says here. Bring the tithe into the storehouse, and I will prevent the devourer. I will, I will give you some protection and blessing in that. And then God, God will call us to give beyond the tithe. He, he wants us to be extravagant in our giving through expressions of gratitude, Psalm 50, 12. 14 through 15, if I were hungry, this is God speaking, if I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. I can go grab some fruit. I, I can, I can, I'm, I'm okay. I'm not asking you to give because I need what you're giving me. He says, though sacrifice, thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you will honor me. So we give thank offerings. We help the poor. Psalm 19:17. Who is he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. Kindness to the poor is rewarded. You're in the blessing zone. Refusing to tithe brings trouble. Malachi 3, 8, 9. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are, are robbing me. I've experienced that curse. I've experienced the devourer. When I was in graduate school, should have known better. I held back some tithe, and God took a chunk. Just like that ball went flying through the, the window, my, my car broke down, and the exact amount that it cost me to fix my car was the amount I was holding back from God. God wanted me to learn, and that's what he does. So refusing to tithe can bring trouble, and, and it's something we need to consider as we, as we handle our finances. In our stewardships, as we handle the flow of life, we please God and we find his blessing. We end up in the zone. We're going to be receiving our offering in a few minutes, and I want to thank you for your generosity. I, I am so grateful to be leading this church that God's put together, um, just be a crew who goes to a place and really represents the Lord well, and then just in your generosity, 
uh, your tithes and offerings really do help us accomplish what we what we do here. So I'm grateful for that. There are also some next steps that you may want to take. They're on the connection card. And if, if you grab that connection card and maybe if you want to take one of these steps, then drop it in the offering when it comes by. But you can memorize Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord uh, with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce. That could be something to do to remind you to handle your, your money in a way that pleases God and honors him. Secondly, I will take a tithing challenge over the next three months. Maybe you haven't been tithing and God's spoken to you this morning. This is March 14th, March, April, May, June. Tithe until June 14th and see what God does. Just watch it. Test him in this. That's what God says. Check it out. It's it's dynamic. God will work in your finances. And then third... I plan to increase my giving beyond my tithe over the next year. Sometimes we get to the idea, well, okay, I got the 10% covered, and I'm just going to... No, God, God wants, us, he wants to keep growing and expanding our heart to continue to bless people more and more. So uh, maybe that's a challenge uh, for you that God's given this morning to increase beyond the tithe. Uh, I'd like to encourage you as well, just if, if this is helpful to you, worshiping at CIV and learning, invite some people to come with you over the next few weeks. Easter is a time when people are open to um, church, finding out more about Christ. And so bring some people with you. Bring a friend, if you would. And there's on that connection card on the back in the middle under my next steps is I'm going to think through and pray over who I can invite and bring with me to CIV. Would you pray with me before we keep going in worship? God, we thank you for your kindness to us. You've, you've breathed life into us. You've, you provide for us in this life. And you, you want to use everything that we're dealing with and going through to, to connect us to you and to grow us in understanding of you. And so, Father, I thank you for your patience for your mercy, for your faithfulness, even as sometimes we aren't. God, I, I thank you for just allowing us to learn and not stepping on us when we know. You're rooting for us to find the blessing, the zone, where we can experience your blessing. And so, God, I ask that you'd help us to take the steps this morning that you've laid on our heart as we set out to follow you. Help us by your power and by your spirit, I pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.